and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Eva, and I'm coming at you live from my parents' closet. Um, it took a fucking while to get set up, and here we are. We're just going to do it. Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, then fuck Christmas. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm coming at this with weird energy today. I've had a particularly rough week, and I might just go ahead and walk you guys through it, like, step by step. So, mm, how does it start? Okay, Monday. I wake up. I'm kind of gassy, and I'm kind of, like, burpy. Sorry, this it's going to be gross for a couple of minutes. I'm kind of burpy, and it's kind of gross. Like my burps, really nothing to write home about. I don't know what that means. Like they're they're gross. Like they're kind of gross burps. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I ate something weird. It's not sitting well. Shit happens, you know. And um, as you guys may know, if you've been listening for a while, if you've not been listening for a while, I promise I don't talk about flatulence a lot or like gas a lot. I talk about a lot of like kind of weird shit, but one thing I don't really talk about is burping. So it's it's just going to be a couple of minutes. I just want to kind of set the stage for what's happening to me. Um, so I have been trying to get off of my magnesium. I take magnesium every night to be able to poo. And, you know, for the past four plus years, it served me really well because before that I used to take stimulant laxatives every day to be able to poo. And guess what? Relative to stimulant laxatives, magnesium, really not that big of a deal. So, you know, I didn't think too much of it. I was like, whatever. But lately, I've been feeling this like intuitive hit that it's time for me to get off of my magnesium. So I've been tapering off. I've been trying all sorts of crazy shit to like get things going, you know, like eating an insane amount of beans every day, etc. And, you know, whatever. Um, so I just thought, like, maybe I'm a little bit more backed up. And I was more backed up. That's true. And so, like, whatever. It'll pass tonight. I wake up the next day. And I wake up at, like, 5 a.m. And I'm just, like, writhing around in pain and burping so much. And it's so disgusting. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is not normal. It's, like, now been over 24 hours. And then dentist update, I went to the dentist, the dentist that I now like to call mob dentist because like, I don't know why she was missing for so long. Like, I have no idea what happened. All I could picture is that she was like entangled. I mean, I remember at some point my mom was like, honestly, maybe like you shouldn't go to this lady because like, who knows what she's up to if she's just like straight AWOL for months at a time. But, you know, I finally got a hold of her and um, yeah, so I had an appointment with her to go like fix this fucking tooth that like literally has a hole in it from when I did my root canal. And I, you know, I talked to my mom and I was like, I'm really worried. Like I'm going to the dentist. What if I burp in her face? And it's like the most disgusting burp, right? Okay. I'm going to stop talking about the burping soon. Very, very, very soon. I promise. Like I'll probably only say the word like one more time. And I walk over there. I'm okay while I'm there, but like definitely in a lot of pain. Like my stomach is super distended. I just in general am not feeling great. Um, have a whole appointment with her. We kiki. She's great. Like she's actually a good time. We laughed. Oh, and by the way, the first thing I said to her was like, hey, 
what the fuck happened? <laughs> I was kind of worried about you there. And she was like, oh, yeah, no, I know. You know how it is. And I was like, I literally have never known anything less in my entire life than this. But okay, sure. Like, clearly you don't want to tell me. So, like, let's just get on with it, okay? Um, So, whatever. She takes impressions, yada, yada. She doesn't actually start the work. She said she would reach out to me um, when the time comes to actually start the work because she had to order a, a temporary, yada, yada. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I just want to update you because a lot of you have <laughs> messaged me <laughs> concerned about the dentist. So yeah, that that's the latest on that. Um, I come home. I mean, that walk home was like absolute agony. I don't get home till like after 5 p.m. I don't even, I'm just like, burping all the way home okay one more time after this and it's I mean it's just the whole thing is nauseating I get back I'm like on the floor writhing around in pain I don't know what the fuck is going on I try to eat a little bit like I have a few pieces of fruit but it, like it's all a challenge I go to bed I wake up at 2 a.m. And I, sorry, I paused because I promised I would only say the B word one more time. <laughs> and I go to the toilet and I vomited, like I vomited like exorcist style, like the demon that was possessing my body was being exorcised out of me. After that, the gross burp stopped, but I still had quite a bit of like trapped gas in my guts, which if you're, if you've ever had that, you know how fucking like painful and unpleasant that shit is. And I like wasn't even going to complain about it because my biggest problem in life was the B word because it was so disgusting. And once that stopped, I was like, whatever, I will deal with this till the day I die. And I was actually supposed to ride down to D.C. to see my family on Wednesday morning. Like that's when my ride was arranged for. But um, Tuesday night, also my dog, Sam, had diarrhea. And so Tuesday night, my dad is like, why don't you wait an extra day just to be safe. And I was like, what a genius idea that literally never occurred to me. So thank God I did that because that night I only slept a few hours because, you know, I was vomiting and then like writhing around in pain, yada, yada, yada. Um, I write down on Thursday morning, got to see my amazing, sweet, adorable niece that day. And then um, what was... Friday, she came over for breakfast on Friday. And then, um, yeah, Christmas Eve. Oh, so Christmas Eve, we go to a, like a little gathering at my sister-in-law's brother's house. So my brother's sister's wife's. Uh, oh, my God. My <laughs> what did I just say? My brother's sister's wife. That would be my wife. Uh, my wife. Um, wow. That was like probably the worst Borat anyone has ever done. Oh, God, excuse me. God, if it's your first time listening, I'm so sorry. Like, it's usually better. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's weird energy. I'm sitting inside my parents' closet. Like, it's it's different. It's a vibe. I don't know what to say. Anyway, um, <laughs> where am I in the story? My brother. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to explain what my sister-in-law's brother is. My brother's wife's brother his house. So we go to a party at his house. My brother brings a friend of his um, named Jeff. 
Apparently, that's the only person who's ever going to be named on this podcast. Um, Whatever. It's fine. It's, you know, it's a lot of new people. It's overwhelming. Whatever. It's fine. I mean, I'm still, you know, like slowly recovering from whatever the fuck is going on inside my guts. By the way, I think I could be wrong, but I think I have SIBO. I think because I was slowing down the magnesium, I had lower um, gut. Is it mobility or motility or are they two different things? Either way. Things weren't moving as fast. Food stayed a little too long in my small intestine and there was some bacterial overgrowth. That's what I think happened. Um, I could be wrong. Obviously, I've not been to a doctor yet. Um, I do have a video appointment scheduled with my doc. But, you know, if anyone has like a really good doctor in New York City, like a really good primary care, hit me up because... Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to move right along. I'm not even, we don't have time. I don't have the energy to get into that spiel. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm not feeling great. Whatever. It's fine. You know, my niece is like being all cute. She's around a bunch of like kids who are a bit older than her. She's a year and a half old. Um, so, you know, all these other kids are older and she like wants to play with them, but also doesn't know how. And it's like really sweet to witness. And like, I can relate so much. Anyway. Um, so the next morning, my brother, calls my dad and he says Jeff his friend who came to the stupid party tested positive for COVID this morning so um from that point on like we like my brother's extremely strict about COVID like I've never met anyone who is more strict other than maybe Howard Stern who like has he like didn't he just leave his house for the first time like a couple months ago he went out to dinner with his wife um other than Howard Stern I would say like my brother has taken it the most seriously like the CDC should really employ him as some kind of like poster child because he goes like above and beyond everything the CDC recommends so my brother at this point is like we're not doing Christmas Day together. Like, sorry. Um, we exchanged gifts. Like, my dad and I drove to his house and he came to the car wearing two masks. <laughs> and just, and the thing is, like, we were all exposed to the same thing. So, but like, whatever, I get it. And um, now I'm planning on going back to New York City early because there's really no point in staying in because of other things that I'll get into, but I'll probably get into more in subsequent weeks because it's so raw that I, I almost like want to have time to process things before I talk about it. But knowing myself, I'll probably just start yap, 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 yapping away about it anyway. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of an overview of my super shitty week. Um, obviously like being around my family has not been the best. (laughs) And I say obviously because like, I don't know. Maybe it's not obvious, but yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been the worst. I will say I've had a lot worse times with them. So it definitely has not been the worst, but it also has not been the best. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about real quick is Christmas. Um, it's okay if this is not a happy time of the year for you. Christmas is yet to be a very happy occasion for me. Um, the truth is, like, I look at families who have fun and, like, dance and laugh and, like, play together. And I mourn the fact that I don't have those things. And... Like, I I don't have those things with my family of origin. Now, what I can start to do is having those things with the family that I choose. And, you know, um, 
you know, if you've been listening, you might recall sometime before Thanksgiving, I was talking about like really being bummed that Thanksgiving was just going to be me and Ozzy this year. Also, if you're a new listener, Ozzy is my boyfriend. That's not his real name. It's a nickname that we give him on the pod to protect his identity. <laughs> Which makes it sound so dramatic, but like, you know, if you know, you know. Anyway, um, so I was mourning that it, Thanksgiving was just going to be me and Ozzy. Uh, also, by the way, the reason we're not together for Christmas is because he's back in Australia and I can't be there with him because of my dog. I'm still looking for a really good dog sitter. If anyone knows a really good dog sitter in the city or <laughs> wants to be a very good dog sitter in the city, hit a girl up because I'm looking. Anyway, um... Where was I in this? Yeah, so that's why Ozzy and I aren't together for Christmas. But yeah, like the reason I was bummed that it was just going to be me and him for Thanksgiving is because I do mourn that I don't have a family that I can have that type of fun with. And I just like I want to start my own holiday traditions with my chosen family. And like I just wish I had more of like a tighter community in the city which I don't, but I am working on. And um, that's definitely one of my intentions for this next year to like, you know, work on finding more of a community. <sighs> okay. Anyway, um, yeah, this Christmas has been challenging. Now I want to touch on presents. So when we exchanged presents, like I'd already told my sister-in-law that I wanted the aura ring because it takes her temperature and I want my basal body temperature measured because I am trying to not have a baby right now. By the way, if you're listening to that and you're like, what is she talking about? You should really come to the Showfields event that we're doing on March 16th because there's going to be a lot of talk about cycles. There's going to be a lot of stuff on pleasure, self-pleasure, masturbation, genitals, you name it. It's going to be juicy. Um, I believe we're calling it... <laughs> It's something like privates, periods, and pleasure, something like that. Um, should be a good time. We're also doing Showfields events on January 5th and January 19th. Um, so if you're in the New York City area, roll through. Also, if you're in the New York City area, don't forget to hit me up with dog sitter recommendations. Okay. Um, anyway, what the fuck? How, how in the world did we get into this topic? Okay, something happened when we were opening. Oh, okay, that's how we got here. Sorry, I'm tired. Like I said, it's been a very challenging week. I've not been feeling very well. So I'd already asked my sister-in-law for the aura ring. So like I knew I was getting that. My parents tend to write me a check, which is excellent, beautiful work, like stunning. Couldn't ask for anything better. But then like my sister-in-law likes to give other little knickknacks. And, um, and it's like really cute, sweet stuff. She put so much thought into it. Like I could tell she's like, oh, this is like her vibe. But here's something about me. I have too much shit and I'm really trying to be a lot more intentional with my belongings. Like I don't need to own so much stuff and like I don't need cute little knickknacky gifts, even if it's like wellness theme. Do you know what I mean? Like if I don't like really want something, I would rather not have it. And um, like opening the gifts and being like, oh, this is just like stuff I literally don't need, even though it's so thoughtful and so sweet, like really bummed me out. And like, 
I've had this a lot. Like I remember one time when I was little, I, I like I have a hard time talking about this memory. Um, I was like really into butterflies, and my dad got me this like state like stained glass making kit that was like butterfly shaped, and he thought I would like love it because I was into butterflies, and I just like wasn't into it because like it wasn't a color palette that I liked. God, do I sound like a cunt? I don't know. Anyway, let's move right along. Um, and I remember just feeling like so much fucking guilt for not liking it any even though I said I liked it like I was just you know I never used it etc and just like the way that it tore me up inside like the amount that I've talked about this in therapy like what an innocuous thing but the amount of guilt that I feel over not liking something that someone gives me uh and then the second element that I feel is like I feel sad in a way because I feel like the gift giver doesn't really know me you know even though in this case like she gave me things that were like totally based on my personality and like how was she to know that like I just don't want as many things in my life right and I do have a remedy for this by the way just stay tuned for that um but anyway so like I personally struggle with this and I have talked to a lot of you guys who have been feeling some kind of way about gift giving. So I just want to spew some facts and then give some advice. So there have been economic studies on gift giving. And in the world of economics, gift giving is considered to be inefficient. It's inefficient because the value to you of the gift that you receive is usually far below the cash value. So let's say like your aunt gives you a sweater that costs $100. More often than not, that sweater is not worth $100 to you. If she had just given you $100, you could spend that $100 far more efficiently. You could get something that would, to you, be worth more than $100. Does that make sense? And then think about it in a reciprocal sense and think about how much money we waste. There's actually a tremendous amount of deadweight loss in society via gift giving. So that means just like money that we're essentially throwing into the garbage because everyone is receiving less value than the thing actually costs. And that money would have been better spent if none of us were giving gifts to each other. I want to read a couple of quotes from this one study that I read. Um, Hold on, let me find The Economist's name. Um, Hang on. His name is Joel Waldfogel. (laughs) Waldfogel. Why did I say it like that? Waldvogel. I just want to say this is a German name, I believe. And in German, it would be pronounced Waldvogel. But um, it's, I think, Waldvogel. Okay, moving right along. The quotes that I want to read. The bottom line is that when other people do our shopping for clothes or music or whatever, it's pretty unlikely that they'll choose as well as we would have chosen for ourselves. We can ex. We can expect their choices no matter how well-intentioned to miss the mark. Relative to how much satisfaction their expenditure could have given us, their choices destroy value. The second quote I want to read, We value items we receive as gifts 20% less per dollar spent than items we buy for ourselves. 
So that is a tremendous amount of loss in society as a whole when you think about it. We should stop fucking giving gifts. Other studies show that 76% of people have lied about liking a gift. Pretty much all of us have been dissatisfied with gifts we've received. Here's the problem, especially in the situation of romance. We give gifts to signal love. We give gifts as a we use gifts like as the recipient of gifts as a measure of how loved we are. And I think this is true, especially with females like females love to compare and brag about gifts. And I have a really good example of this. Um, It's from The Real Housewives of New York. It was either season one or season two. I kind of think season one, but it could have been season... No, it may have been season two. Literally doesn't matter. Anyway, it was Bethany's birthday, and she had this boyfriend, Jason, at the time. Not the Jason that she ended up marrying, Jason Hoppy, but there was a Jason before that that she dated, who also seemed like a douchebag. She really should steer away from Jasons in general. And... She was really close with Jill Zarin at the time, another cast member on The Real Housewives of New York, which, by the way, is an iconic show. Like, the last season was garbage, but those early fucking seasons, there's nothing like it. Like, if you want to binge a reality TV show, I'm telling you, start Real Housewives of New York from season one. It is... uh, I'm about to restart it again, and I've done it many times, and the love that I have for these women. Anyway, um... So it's her birthday. She goes out to dinner with her boyfriend, Jason, and Jill and Jill's husband, late husband now, but at the time he was alive. His name was Bobby. And Jill keeps being like, oh, what did Jason get you? What did Jason get me? Get you? Show me this. Show me that. Did he get you jewelry? Yada, yada, yada. And Bethany gets kind of annoyed. And... I remember being like, ugh, this is like giving me the ick because it's so accurate. It's so like, think about your friends. Has anyone texted you in the past few days? And if not in the past few days, certainly in the past few years, bragging about how their boyfriends, quote unquote, spoiled them with gifts. Like, right. That's like, oh, I'm so spoiled. Oh, my God. He loves me so much. He got me so many gifts. Okay, you can't see the face that I'm making the way I'm moving my head. But as females, we have created this culture of trying to signal our worth to each other based on how we're treated by men, which in and of itself is insane, illogical, and just plain false. How other people treat you says nothing about you and everything about them. But on top of that, we specifically have used receiving of gifts as like an indicator of their feelings towards us, which again is like some people just aren't good at giving gifts. And again, based on the research, everyone is not good at giving gifts. Now, if you are disappointed by a gift that you received, specifically a gift that your partner gave you, ask yourself this, how much do I authentically on a soul level care And how much of my reaction is based on what I think other people may think or comparing the situation to other people? And to rephrase that, if we were on a desert island, would you care? Like if you and your partner were on a desert island and he or she gave you this gift, 
would you and you didn't like it would you really care would you really be like oh my god like she doesn't love me blah 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 no you probably wouldn't right like you probably really wouldn't give a shit I mean honestly if you're stuck on a desert island there are probably far bigger problems to deal with but it's usually the reason that we care is in comparison with other people oh Shelly got diamonds oh Stephanie got a car oh Michelle got a trip to Aruba it doesn't matter and let me add you this. I don't buy Aussie gifts and I love him very much. Very, very much. Like maybe I'm not super clear about that on this podcast, but I I've like loved him since the beginning if I'm being honest. Like I from the get-go with him, I mean, obviously I didn't like love him cuz I didn't know him, but I from the get-go was like this person feels right on a deep soul level. Like I've never laughed so hard. Like I, I respect him and admire him as a person. Like I, like this is like the real deal. Like if it's not him, it's someone like him because like I, like I love that man. I don't fucking give, give him gifts. It's not, you know what I mean? And it's it's not like because I don't, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with my feelings towards him. I just don't think it's an efficient way to spend my money. Um, you know, it was his birthday a week and a half ago. I sent him a picture of my tits um, for Christmas. I mean, we both didn't get each other anything because we're not even together. Uh, we said Merry Christmas to each other. We FaceTimed, you know, and that's good. He did get me something for my birthday and it was sweet and thoughtful. But like, even even if he hadn't, I wouldn't have given a shit. You know what I mean? Um, if you're feeling some kind of way, make a list of all of the ways in which this person shows you that they love you. Because I think it'll be a really good reminder because like I don't think you care because of the gift. You care because of what it's signaling to you, right? Because that's that's the meaning that we as a society have found in gifts. Um, to use another reality show example, I love Summer House. And a few seasons ago on Summer House, it was this one person's birthday, Lindsay. And she had this boyfriend at the time. I don't remember his name, honestly. Um, and he like, it was like during lockdown and their house was in lockdown. Like they weren't allowed to come and go. And so he set up this like table in the backyard of their house and, um, you know, decorated and got takeout from like the restaurant where they had their first date. And like, it was really sweet and thoughtful and like got this like photo printed from their travels together and stuff. And it was like really sweet and really thoughtful. And she hated it. She was so mad. She was so angry. And I remember being like, what the fuck? But it's because she was kind of expecting like a ring. Like she thought he was going to propose and that's why she was so upset. So if you're disappointed, ask yourself, what were you actually expecting? Like what would have made you happy? And what did that thing mean to you? Because again, it's not like Lindsay wanted a ring. She wanted engagement. She wanted commitment. She wanted the things that the ring symbolizes. So like, what did you want? Like, was it jewelry? And what does jewelry symbolize to you? That this person takes you really seriously? That, you know, you're worth a lot to them? That they're making an investment in you? You know what I mean? Get down to like what it is that you actually want 
wanted and then see if they're showing that in other ways to you. And for the future, I have done this with my family in the past and I'm sure I'm going to start doing it again. Start a Google Doc where you write down all the things that you want and um, like have a good amount of like range in price and just share that Google Doc with like everyone in your life and update it regularly. If you stop wanting something, take it off. If you buy it for yourself, take it off. Um, You know, when you want something new, you can add it. It's a living document. Like we register for weddings. We register for bridal showers. We register for baby showers. Why the fuck aren't we registering for life? Like, are we only worthy if we do those bizarre milestones? No. Register, register for yourself. And I, the reason I say Google Doc is, is because it's a living document. You can change it as you go so that you don't fall into this again. But, you know, I really recommend just trying to disassociate the concept of gifts from a display of affection. And I want to challenge us as females to stop bragging over the way people treat us, particularly the gifts that we get, because it means nothing. Now, if you're sharing these things with people for another reason, like I sometimes like I have a couple of close friends who are single and who are kind of in a place where they're like, am I ever going to meet anyone? Sometimes like I'll share things about my relationship, not like to brag, but my intention is more to be like, look, this does exist. Like this type of guy is out there. If I can get him, anyone can. Okay, moving right along. Um, So if you watch the Megan and Harry documentary, you might recall this. But at the very, very end, Megan said something about how a friend of hers like picks like a word of the year every year. And I thought it would be a cute exercise for all of us to do together. So I spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about this. And I'm going to do a word of the year for 22. And then I'm going to do a word of the year for 2023, like what I kind of intent. So for 2022, looking back on it, I would say it was independence. It was the first year that I did the pot solo, um, which, you know, (laughs) turned out to be tremendously good because the podcast grew massively. Um, You know, it was a year where there were times where I was really focused on like enmeshment with my parents um, and like in ways that I didn't feel fully independent of them. And that was like a big focus focus and like therapy and growth for me for a while. And I feel like I'm in a much better place with that now. And um, it was a year where I really like, I know that no matter what happens in anything in my life, if I were to lose all of the friends that I have now, if I, the podcast, everything were to blow up, if, you know, shit happened with my parents, if uh, Ozzy and I broke up for some reason, no matter what happens, I know that I'll be okay. So it was a year where I feel like I've had more, like I found a deeper and truer sense of independence than ever before. Um, My word for 2023 is sparkle. (laughs) And that's because uh, I just like I want to shine this year. Like I don't want to like be in this hermit phase for too much longer. I want to like be in community. I want to like like show my most authentic self. I want to like sparkle and shine like the jewel that I know I am. And 
23 was Michael Jordan's jersey number, and he was the GOAT. He was iconic, and this year is going to be iconic. Okay, a quick word before I move along. I just want to say... um. Obviously, I heard about Stitch's death. Is his name Stitch? Now, I was not familiar with Stitch before his passing, but um, I obviously am very familiar with the mental health crisis going on in this country and the world in general. Obviously, the pandemic did not help. We've been so isolated and it's been hard reintegrating. And, um, you know, flu is up everywhere. I think COVID is having an uptick in New York City. I mean, your girl might have it. Stay tuned on that. I still haven't had it. So like, oh, God, I probably do. Right. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. I feel fine right now. Um, So I just want to say, like, check in on your friends and loved ones. Tell people you love them before it's too late. You never know what anyone is going through. Your friends who you think might be suffering, check in on them. And if they say, I'm fine, dig a little deeper. They might not be fine. I say I'm fine all the time. I'm not fine. <laughs> check in on me. I'm just kidding. Um, But honestly, really, like, right this second, you're already listening, so you're already by your phone. Take out your phone and text one person in your life right this second. Just do it unless you're driving, in which case do not do it. Do it when you stop driving. But everyone who is not driving who can safely do so, text someone right now and tell them that you love them. Okay, jarring, <laughs> jarring, oh my God, what's the word? Transition? I don't know. I, I like... My brain is gone. Do I have COVID? Um, Okay. I have seven random (laughs) wellnessy tips to take into the new year with you. Number one, a quick tip for tackling anxiety. And this doesn't work for all kinds of anxiety, but it does work for specific things. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Imagine both outcomes, including the worst possible outcome, and then decide what you'll do in each circumstance so that you're prepared. And if the worst case scenario is like a really, really, really bad thing, then consider the likelihood of it happening. And now think how you wish you would have acted now if you were looking back on now in either situation. Okay, that's wordy. So I'm going to illustrate it in an example. Let's say you're stuck in traffic on the way to the airport and you are starting to spiral that you might miss your flight. Okay, so there are two possible outcomes here. You either make your flight or you don't make your flight. So decide what you'll do in each circumstance. If you make it, then obviously you'll go on the flight. You'll go on your trip. Great. If you don't make it, then you'll catch the next flight. You might have to make some kind of arrangements, but you'll figure it out at the end of the day. Um, I think we can kind of skip odds for this because it's not like that dire of a situation. Now, let's say you make your flight. How would you wish you had acted right now? I would imagine calm, right? Like you, like if like once you're on the flight, you're like, God, I wish I hadn't stressed so much. I ended up making it just fine, right? Now, let's say you missed your flight. Would you have benefited in any way from having freaked out now? Probably not. Like whether you spiral right now or not, you were going to miss that flight. You spiraling adds nothing to the situation. So in either case, you should really should just stay calm. And like now that you're like, I think sometimes 
The anxiety that we have is over things that like really aren't that deep at the end of the day. And if you just sit and think about the worst possible outcome and you're like, fuck it, this might happen. I'm going to try my best to avoid it, but this might happen. It's really not that deep. And like, think about like in this past week, I've had so many things that I've gotten anxious and annoyed over that then I was like, you know what? It is what it is. And I just accepted it. Like on the ride down here from New York, my phone had tremendous trouble connecting to my mom's car. And I was like getting really annoyed about it. And finally, I was like, fuck it. And I unplugged it and I just played my podcast from my phone. Really wasn't that deep. I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten stressed over like, is my hair going to get wet? Or like um, when I got down here, my parents had their masseuse over, which I understand how fucking privileged this sounds. It's like it's it's less than what you think it is. Like, trust me, it's 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 not as elite and whatever as you may think. But whatever. Like she was there because like they knew I wasn't feeling well. And they were like, you know, can you give her a massage to get some of this gas out of her belly? Which, like, like I'm so gassy that my parents had to hire professionals to come, like, professionally wrangle it out of my body. It didn't help all that much. Spoiler alert. And um, she had waxed my mom's legs right before. And so then when I put my head down, there was, like, a little remnant of wax on the table. And it got in my hair. And I just washed my hair. And I was, like, really annoyed and getting really anxious over my hair. And then she's, like, massaging me. And there's oil everywhere. And I was, like, stressed about the oil getting in my hair, yada 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 and then I was like fuck it like what's the worst case scenario here my hair gets a little greasy a little waxy it's fine it's really not that deep so yeah that's my number one tip just like if you're getting anxious about things just try to go through the step-by-step process and like oftentimes not always sometimes it's deeper sometimes it's more loaded but oftentimes it's over shit that like once you kind of accept the worst case scenario outcome you're like it's fine we'll roll with it so what maybe I'll get it wet in the rain maybe I'll miss the train maybe ooh, I rhymed oh how cute of me okay let's move along number two um I want to talk about making the most of life, um, college or whatever. So there were like a few questions around this and I'm just kind of combining them into one for college specifically. And the person who asked this, I think it was like their last semester of college that they're going into. I know you've already done course selection, but I know you have ad drop. So try to take one class that genuinely interests you rather than like being for your major or it'll look good for your job applications, yada, yada. My last semester of college, I had, I was done with all the credits for my major. I just needed to take enough classes to be a full-time student. And so I took a nutrition class, the science of nutrition, because I had always just loved nutrition. And I've never enjoyed a class more in my entire life. And I was like, why the fuck did I not do this in the beginning of college like you're there someone's paying for it whether it's your parents or you know a bank or the government someone is paying for it right now um eventually you'll have to pay it back obviously but you may as well take advantage of this opportunity and take something that interests you Number two, take advantage of resources. There's often free counseling at college. There's access to a gym. There's access to clubs and, you know, uh, communities where you can learn things. And number three, and honestly, this might be the most important, 
I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but community is different outside of college. You're probably never again going to be in a situation where you live really close to a bunch of friends, where you have the same lifestyle, where you have roughly the same schedules, where you have the same parties, etc. Like it's generally different after college and that transition tends to be really hard for most people and make the most of it. Like, fuck grades. Is this like the worst advice you've ever heard? I don't think it is. Fuck grades. You'll get a job. You'll get into grad school. This semester isn't going to matter that much. Trust me. I mean, don't fail, obviously, but like it's college. You're probably not going to get lower than a C so long as you put in a modicum of effort. Go to all the parties that you want to go to. Dress in the themes. Do all the things. You have the rest of your life to plan for the future enjoy this. Make the most of it. But don't put pressure on yourself to make the most of it. I'm just saying like, don't skip a party to do homework. Fuck the homework. (laughs) And if your parents get mad at you, tell them to listen to this podcast, but don't listen to it. But just tell them not to listen. (laughs) No, but seriously, fuck it. Do it. Live, live, live. Okay. Now I want to talk about more generally for like how to live more because adult life is filled with routine. You probably wake up, commute, go to a job where you probably do the same type of shit, eat similar lunches with similar people, go home, rinse and repeat and start the same bullshit all over again. Now here are some things that help break up that monotony. Number one, since life is like filled with all these routines, build in some of your own routines that bring pleasure and increase happiness. And I have three suggestions for this, all three of which are scientifically proven to increase happiness levels. Number one, dance every morning to one song. This would take you three minutes. Three minutes. Everyone has time to do something for three minutes. For three minutes, just dance around to a song of your choice and try to do this every morning. Build in your new routine. Um, Number two, every night, say three new things that you're grateful for. It has to be new things every day. You don't want to just repeat the same three, my family, my dog, my health. Pick something new every day. My trick for doing that is um, I pick three things that happened that I'm grateful for based on what happened in that day. This will take you literally 60 seconds. Everyone has time to build it in. And the third thing, spend two minutes per day being present with your breath. Just two minutes. Anyone can do it for two minutes. Just two minutes a day is scientifically proven to increase happiness levels. The second things that can help for breaking up the monotony of adult life make changes. Even the smallest changes break up the monotony of life. This is because doing something differently releases dopamine. Dopamine is the chemical in your brain that makes you feel good. It's responsible for motivating you, getting you going, for making you feel satisfied with life. Things as simple as taking a different route to work, eating a new lunch, um, watching new shows, listening to new music. These are very simple things that will literally cause your brain to release more dopamine, make you feel happier, make you feel more motivated, make you feel more satisfied with your life. Um, The third thing, 
set an intention to do one or it can be more than one for you. I'm just saying one for me because that's an achievable goal for me. Social activity per week. Try to do new things. When you meet new people, try to make plans with them. Like, don't worry about being weird. I DM this chick who I met um, at a party over the summer and like we've been Instagram friends and like, you know, we'll respond to each other's stories and stuff. And the other day I was like, oh, my God, when are you back in town? Would love to hang. And she didn't respond, which, you know, doesn't feel great. But hey, at least I tried. Right. Just try. What's the worst that'll happen? It just won't happen. It's not a big deal. And the fourth thing do things alone. I love this concept from Julie Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. She suggests doing one artist date per week. And um, what she calls an artist date is like you have to be by yourself. And I forget what the rest of the criteria is. It doesn't have to be artsy. It just has to be something that like you enjoy. You could like go to the park and like watch the birds. You can go to a museum. I mean, that is arty, obviously. You can go buy art supplies. And okay, these are all art examples, but they don't have to be artsy. Just do one activity per week by yourself that like lets you tap in. Like think like, what does my inner child like? When I first moved to New York and I went through that awful breakup with the comedian and I was just like all all just completely out of sorts and like distraught as a human being, I started like really thinking like, what does my inner child enjoy? Like what did my, like what did I like as a child? And I started doing shit like that. I would go to the park and like sit on swings and like swing by myself. Um, I went to this like slime institute in New York and made slime. Like I did all this silly childlike things to like connect with my inner child. So yeah, I hope that helps. Um, you know, these are all like really easy and accessible and um, attainable things. Okay, number three, um, I got a lot of questions around like healthy eating and like do's and don'ts for going vegan, things like that. So I'm combining them into one. Now, number one, if you're not trying to go vegan for ethical reasons, then I would really recommend just focusing on adding vegetables and like adding more plants into your diet instead of thinking about cutting things out. Now, if you want to go vegan for ethical reasons, that's different. That's what I did. I understand. But if it's like for health reasons, I, I'm, listen, I don't want anyone to come for me, but I'm not convinced that eating vegan is healthier than not eating vegan. Obviously, like you can be healthy or unhealthy on a vegan diet and the same goes for um, on an omnivorous diet, right? But that being said, like, I I don't like I don't think that there's any dispositive evidence that eating, uh, you know, well-sourced animal products in moderation is bad for your health. That's it. Um, I don't like. You know, I'm not here to start a debate about whether you should or shouldn't go vegan, just in my opinion. The only good reason to go fully vegan is for ethical reasons. But moving right along, obviously make the choices that are best for you. Again, keep in mind, I am vegan. <laughs> I, I would love to have as many of you as possible in the vegan club. I'm just saying there is no reason to go to 100. So yeah, in general, I would say like focus on 
adding more plants instead of subtracting things. Um, Now, if you are transitioning from kind of like a standard American diet whose acronym is aptly sad because it is sad... (laughs) Um, to a more plant-based diet, whether it's 100% plant-based or not, you are going to be adding a tremendous amount of fiber into your diet, which is excellent because fiber is really, really good for you. The only problem is with fiber, you need to go low and you need to go slow. Adding too much fiber too fast will cause tremendous issues. You'll be a gassy little bitch just like me. I mean, I really had to ease my way in and up until a week ago, I was doing great. I don't know what the fuck happened to me. That's why I really think I have SIBO because like I don't think it's like another gut issue because like my gut was fine, you know, other than not pooping well, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. Um, So yeah, go low and slow with fiber. Add it gradually. Don't just suddenly start eating 15 heads of broccoli a day. You're going to have issues, but just go low, go slow, take a probiotic. I really like seed. Um, You don't have to use seed if you don't want to use seed. I like seed because it's one of the only probiotics, if not the only, that's scientifically proven to actually make its way into the gut intact so that it can colonize there. Most probiotics die during the journey down. It's also a super sustainable company. I'm I'm like, I don't have all the things in front of me because I'm not trying to run an ad, but I do have an affiliate code for you. If you do want to try seed, it's blush15, BL. U-S-H-1-5. Um, when you're eating plant-based, especially if you're like truly not eating any animals, you need to eat more volume. Where a lot of people go wrong trying to go vegan is that they're not eating enough. 100 calories of a steak is one cubic inch. 100 calories of broccoli is over three cups. So do the math. Like if you're not eating super calorie rich calorie dense foods as animal foods are, then you're going to need a a higher volume of food. Take a B12 supplement. Our soil is really depleted in nutrients and B12 is one that's just not in our soil anymore. So what ends up happening is Animals are fed B12 supplements before they're killed, and that's how, you know, we get B12 from eating meat. But studies show that the only people who aren't deficient in B12 are people who supplement with it. I really like Symbiotica for supplements. I just like forgot what the company's called. I don't have an affiliate code. It's not an ad in any way. I just I think their supplements are really, really good. I also love their omega-3 and it's plant-based. Um, so yeah, check them out. It's spelled C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Um Make sure to eat healthy fats. Avocados, nuts, seeds are great. They have so many nutrients, like so many other things other than healthy fats for you. And this last one is honestly the most important thing in the entire world. Different bodies are different. When I first went vegan, I was following all these like vegan influencers who were all about like, this diet is all about abundance. Look at me as I eat 45 watermelons for breakfast and 56 bananas and 360 melons for lunch and 45 persimmons for dinner. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, I should be eating like this. But that wasn't right for my body. (laughs) 
<laughs> so there is no one size fits all. You have to honor your own body and your body's needs. Listen to that. Listen to those cues. I think it's great to follow people for inspiration, but keep in mind that they are not you. You are not them. We each have different bio-individual needs. Some people need more protein than others. Some people need more or less carbs. It's fine. Some people need more or less fats, um, you know, and then those are just the macronutrients, right? So don't like copy anyone else's eating. And that's why this section is so sparse. But the biggest thing at the end of the day is like focus on real foods, foods that don't have labels on them, foods that don't, you know, uh, yeah, foods that don't have labels on them, foods that don't have the ingredients on them because they're single ingredient foods. Use whole plant-based foods, right? Instead of like sugar, which is just one part of a plant extracted instead of oil. And I'm not saying oil is the demon, use it in moderation. But an avocado, a nut or a seed is always going to be healthier than oil because oil is just the fat extracted out. Whereas avocados, nuts and seeds have a whole range of nutrients within them. Same with like a date is always going to be healthier than sugar because sugar is just one macronutrient extracted out. And with sugar specifically, it causes all these issues for your insulin versus when you eat something like a date, it's bound to the fiber. So it trickles into your bloodstream slowly the way it's intended to. Plus, it has all these other nutrients. So really, it's simple. Whole foods, eat as many plants as you can, increase it slowly, listen to your own body cues, make sure you're full, make sure you're not too full, make sure you're not trying to copy anyone else. You get the drill. Okay. The fourth thing I want to talk about is inner child healing. Now, pretty much every problem that we have in the world (laughs) is based on inner child issues. Your attachment issues, inner child issues, all the relationship problems that you have, inner child issues, communication problems, inner child issues. I mean, anything that is triggering you right now, I can almost guarantee there is some childhood wound attached to it and it actually has nothing right now. You're dissatisfied with the gift you were given. Look at your childhood. How were presents in your household? Did you get less presents than your friends? Or did your parents use presents as a way to show you love? I can guarantee you there's something connected to your childhood. Even if you think you had a perfect childhood, that does not exist. And a lot of types of trauma really are not that big of a deal. They're not like noteworthy at the time, but there are things that leave an imprint in the long term. So for inner child healing, first of all, if you have like any sort of bigger trauma, I really do recommend working with a professional. Um, Therapy modalities that have really helped for me are somatic therapy and EMDR. I do want to plug my somatic therapist because I think she's excellent with inner child work. Her name is Andrea Lee. Her website is... I will Google it. Hold on. Somatic therapy. It's somatictherapybrooklyn.com. I think it redirects somewhere else, maybe. No, that worked. Yeah, somatictherapybrooklyn.com. She's excellent. Say that I referred you. I don't get anything from it, but you know, she, she I've referred so many people to her, and it's always helpful for her to know if you're coming like from my podcast or my community in some way, because she kind of knows like what your situation is. Um 
moving right along. I've done a tremendous amount of work reparenting myself. And what I found the most helpful has been reparenting myself using kind of like the highest, the best version of myself as my parent. So like I'll recall a painful childhood memory and I'll have like me now nurture and comfort that child version of me. In fact, I did that this week since I've been home with my parents. So again, I'll probably talk about this more in future episodes because it is really, really raw for me. I went through like some heavy, heavy re-traumatizing. But basically one night I was laying in bed and I could swear that I like could hear my parents fighting downstairs and it like really, really scared me because this would happen a lot when I was a kid and it was really, really scary when I was a kid because the fights were really, really bad. Again, maybe I'll talk about it in the future. I think it is too raw right now, but I was like, I mean, I was going through like heavy re-traumatization. I was like visit, like I was shaking so bad. It looked like I was having a seizure, like I couldn't breathe. Like I was, I mean, like right back into being that like helpless child. And the next day I was really like comforting myself by using the version of me now to comfort the childhood me and then using an older and wiser version of me to comfort the present me. Now, when I say all this, I want to be clear that I don't think inner child healing happens on a conscious level. I mean, there are things you can do on a conscious level, but I don't think it's enough. I think this stuff lives in your subconscious mind. And that's why, like, if you're enrolled in the Blush Academy, you know, like, there are all these guided meditations and they're not like the purpose isn't mindfulness being present, etc. It's not that type of meditation. It's more like a hypnosis situation. What happens is it gets you into a theta brain brainwave state where your subconscious mind is more available and more malleable so you can do that type of healing like what I just talked about in there. So I hope all that helps and also there's going to be new guided meditations in the academy soon. Um, my fifth wellnessy tip to take into the new year. If you want something, witness it in the world. And um, someone who talks about this a lot is Lacey Phillips, who talks a lot about manifestation. She says she has like this other more science-based brand of manifestation. Again, I don't want to get deep into manifestation right now because it doesn't matter, but she calls it an expander. So she says like, let's say you want to manifest a house, but you have never known anyone who grew up in your circumstances who was able to buy a house then you should go out and find someone who grew up in your circumstances who was able to buy a house because once your subconscious mind sees that someone who grew up like you is able to buy a house, then you will know that you are able to do this. And I have a really good story about this. So for the longest time, we thought it was humanly, physically impossible for anyone to break a four-minute mile. And so no one did. And then in 1954, I believe, a man named Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. So for thousands and thousands of years of human history, no one broke a four-minute mile since 1954, 1,663, at my last count, that number might be outdated, have broken the four-minute mile. Once other, and 
I just want to be clear. Like, yes, it's been 50 plus years since then. Wow, it's been 70 almost years since then. That's neither here nor there. It was like a few months after Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile that the next person broke it. So as soon as people saw like, oh, shit, this is possible, other people started doing it. So, again, if you want something, find someone else who has it and find someone else who has it with your specific limitations. If you're like, oh, I um, I don't know. I'll never be like rich and famous because I'm short. Find other celebrities who are short. They exist. Uh, you know what I mean? So like find like the thing that's hold you think is holding you back from having that thing. Find someone who has that thing that has that same limitation. And then your subconscious mind will be like, oh, of course it's possible. If she can have it, I can have it too. Okay, number six, we're nearing the end here. Take inventory of your resources. You probably already have the tools and the skills for anything that you actually want. You're just not aware that you have them. So I would recommend making three, making a chart. You're going to make three different charts. Okay, the first one is a chart with three columns. The first column is things you can do well. The second column is what the skill is. And the third column is what that also means. Now, I did this exercise a few years ago. So the answers that I have reflect the place that I was in a few years ago, but I want to read them to you. Okay. So for the thing that I do well, I wrote rolling joints. I was excellent at rolling joints back when I smoked pot. And the skill that I wrote that that shows is that I have a steady hand. So that means I can also do well drawing, painting, other types of art. Um, Another thing I wrote I do well is connecting people. So the skill is organizing things in my mind. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Um, And that also means I could find trends really well. Um, Another thing I wrote I'm good at is apologizing. The skill is empathy and modesty. That also means I would be good at engaging with people, connecting with them. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to keep reading these, but you get the dress, drift, dr- drift. Oh my God. Like my brain has just left the planet. It has left my parents' closet. <laughs> um, so yeah, make this chart for yourself and start writing it. And like, like you saw, mine were kind of silly, rolling joints, who cares? But there is a skill there. And that skill means that there are other things that I can do well. Now, the second chart, again, it's going to have three columns. Um, the first column is things other people say you can do well. The middle column, again, is what is the skill? And the third column, again, is what that also means. So I remember asking people and someone said that I'm really good at explaining things. And so the skill I wrote is understanding and breaking things down according to the audience. And what that also means I can do well, I wrote teaching, mediating, liaising, negotiating. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but podcasting was going to be one of those things. Um, another thing someone said to me was giving advice and I wrote the skill as listening, although I think there's more to it than listening because it's also like I'm good at giving advice because I've done a fuck ton of research into things, but that's neither here nor there. Um, what that also means I can do well. I wrote building friendships, connecting with people again, 
podcasting. I didn't know it at the time, but here we are. Um, now the third chart, this is going to be a fun one. Again, it has three columns. The first column is things you do badly. Second column, what the skill is. Third column, what that also means. Now, again, I was in a very different time and you will see this because this was kind of right after my breakup with the comedian where I was like not accepting that it's over, having a very hard time accepting that it's over. So I wrote something that I do badly is letting go. What's the skill? Persistence. What does that also mean I can do well? Learning difficult things. Um, another thing I said I do, I'm not good at or do badly is stifling emotions. What's the skill? Being sensitive. What does that also mean I can do well? Empathizing, coaching, counseling. I mean, here we are. So again, if you're in a situation where you can make these charts and start writing them down, I think you'll be shocked at how many resources you actually have. And my last tip for this year, your behavior is probably not your fault, but it is your responsibility. So most of our behavior, particularly the quote-unquote bad behavior, is because of unprocessed trauma. It's because of childhood shit. Um, everyone can see this. Everyone knows it. A good example of it is my dad. I remember my dad growing up was very angry. He would yell a lot. He would throw things. He was very abusive. And every time he would have a really bad episode, my mom, the next day, because she's just a sweet angel and wanted me to not hate my dad, she'd be like, well, he had a really hard childhood. This happened to him. This happened to him, this happened to him, you know, his issues, like they're not his fault. That's true. They're not his fault, but it was his responsibility. It was his responsibility to go get help so that he doesn't repeat the cycle. And guess what? My bad behavior was not my fault. It was directly caused by the way I was treated largely by my dad, but it was my responsibility. And that's why I sought that help. No one has to put up with your shit. Specifically with attachment stuff, you can find someone who's secure, who will tolerate your constant needs for reassurance, but know that that need is actually not authentic to you. It comes from insecurity. It comes from a place of trauma, and it's your responsibility to work through that. Um, You know, taking it out of that, like I had this friend, um, she was really like, I knew her through my brother. Um, Let's call her Sally. So Sally is dating one of my brother's good friends from college. And she's like, you know, in this friend group. And I befriended her. And I remember like when I first was like making friends with her, people would always talk about how Sally has no friends. Like her only friends are her boyfriend's friends. Like she has no friends. And like her boyfriend would also remind her of that. And I remember thinking like, that's so mean. Why why do people always say that to Sally? And then I remember Sally would always talk to me about issues she has with her mom and issues she she has with her siblings and issues she has with this person and issues she has with that person. And I was like, God, why are people always so mean to Sally? Until the day that Sally turned on me. And then I realized Sally's the common denominator. And I haven't talked to her since then. It's kind of a dumb story. Should I just tell it? So at my brother's 40th birthday, I was having a pretty hard day. I'd for the first time ever introduced a boyfriend to my parents. This was back when I was dating fan guy. And my mom made some like really 
like not great comment and it like really bothered me and it just like you know it was so hard for me to like with cultural stuff etc do this and like the way she reacted like really I'm I even introduced Ozzy to my well Ozzy has met my mom um but not my dad like I don't bring him around family stuff because that incident was so traumatizing for me so I was already having a really hard day Sally was like someone who I really considered to be a friend I was something about Sally is she's very very flaky like I'm very flaky but like Sally's more flaky than me which is fine like we joke about it it's no big deal so like we were like I was like like talking to her and like a few people were around who all witnessed this and I was like yo I'm really flaky but this bitch over here is like way more flaky than me that's exactly what I said it verbatim those exact words and everyone laughed like I thought it was funny I didn't call her a bitch I was like oh this bitch you know what I mean I didn't think it was a big deal now if she had been like it really like bothered me that you called me a bitch. I would have been like, oh my God, I so didn't mean it like that. It was totally a joke, but I'm so sorry. But instead she got real fucking weird about it. And she was like, "Uh, okay, then I'll leave where I'm not wanted and like walked away and like hasn't spoken to me since then and proceeded to talk shit about me to like everyone in that group, including my own family. Now, and like, I remember at, like when she stormed off to everyone else in the group, I was like, wait, 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 was that? And I was stone cold sober, by the way. I wasn't drinking at all. So like it like if I were drunk, I would have maybe been like, oh, like, did I do something wrong? And I'm not seeing it right. But because I was sober, I was like, this is not a big deal at all. Like the way she's reacting is so childish and stupid. But, like, again, if she had been like, hey, I really don't like that word. I didn't like they use it. I would have been like, obviously, I wasn't calling you a bitch, but I'm so sorry. I will never say that again. But it was the way that she handled it right so that's my issues with Sally but that's neither here nor there oh and I remember asking everyone else in the group and they were like no it really wasn't a big deal she's like acting psycho and I was like okay fine whatever um anyway since then I haven't talked to her now my sister-in-law my brother's wife had a baby and um they you know are privileged enough to be able to afford help so they had help for a while and then my sister-in-law decided to quit her job and um they got rid of the help and my sister-in-law was talking to Sally and she's like I'm so nervous like you know they had like a night nurse who's an expert in babies and like knows how to do things like it was like having someone there all the time who you know is experienced with infants and she's like you know I'm so nervous about like doing it all alone like any other mother would be and Sally says to her she goes what are you afraid of being a mom And as you can imagine, my sister-in-law was like, what the fuck? Like, that's just like such a fucked up thing to say to someone. And we were talking about it. And I was like, listen, like, I've had my issues with Sally. But like, you do know that everything she says, all of her issues, like the fact that she like can't seem to hang on to friends, etc., all comes from her own unprocessed trauma. And my sister-in-law was like, you know, that's really sweet of you to say, especially given your own issues with her. But like, yeah, I mean, I do, I guess, see that. But like, I don't want to deal with it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I didn't mean you should tolerate it because it's coming from her own own unprocessed trauma. I just mean be aware of it. The fact that people have unprocessed trauma doesn't mean that you just get to behave however you want. That's not how life works. So this is what I'm saying. Sally's behavior is not her fault. It's definitely because of shit that happened to her. However, it is her responsibility and no one has to tolerate it. My own past behavior, good God, I used to be a fucking nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Now, 
I do want to say that this doesn't mean that you have to be perfectly behaved. In fact, in the early days of dating Ozzy, I needed a lot more reassurance. You know, I was like really fresh out of working on my attachment wounds. And even though I was able to communicate very clearly, I still like had some needs for reassurance and stuff. First of all, we all have some human needs for reassurance. Let's <laughs> just like that's just totally normal. But I did have some that were like a bit more. But because I had worked on my attachment wounds so much, I was able to communicate those needs really well. So I could be like, hey, like if I don't hear from you super regularly, like I'll start to spiral or like, you know, like for a while, I'd just be like, hey, you're still into me. We're still good. Right. You're not losing interest. Right. And he'd be like, yeah, no, we're totally good. And like he knew because he knew what was happening. I had communicated clearly to him so I could ask for my needs. So like I'm not saying that like your behavior is your responsibility and therefore you have to act perfectly. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying don't let your inner child run the show because all of these examples, like my dad lashing out and abusing everyone, Sally, like that shit she said to my sister-in-law and just like all of her fallouts with everyone, all like my own past behavior of like, you know, breaking up with people, threatening to break up with them, running away to make them chase me. I mean, those are some of the good ones, picking fights to get them, whatever. All of these things were my inner child running the show. Don't let your inner child run the show. Do the inner child healing. Take responsibility for your own behavior. But obviously, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Okay, those are my seven things to take into the new year with you. Um you know, just doing a quick blush wrapped for the year. This podcast grew tremendously this year, and that's because of you guys. Thank you. I love you guys so fucking much. I love doing this podcast. I love sitting cramped in my tiny. It's actually not that tiny. It's, it's a pretty big closet. But, you know, it's it's not a comfortable position that I'm sitting in. But I, I fucking love doing this. Like, I love that I get to connect with you guys. Even when bad shit happens to me, I'm like, uh, at least I get to talk about it on the podcast. So thank you for making 2022 in so many ways the best year of my life. It's because of you guys that I get to do this. It's because you guys share the podcast, you rate, you review, you do all those things. So please keep doing them. It would be the biggest Christmas, New Year's, etc. present to me if you could. If you haven't left a review yet, go ahead and do that. If you have left a review share this podcast with someone, put it in your Instagram stories, tell the world how much you love the blush pod. Um, Seriously, love you guys, though. Thank you. Talk to you in the new year, I believe. Have a great New Year's. Yeah, you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.